You're listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Go ahead and grab a seat. We want to thank you, uh, say thanks to the worship team and to Joshua for sharing. Awesome job. And and it's getting us uh, focused on Jesus this morning. Hey, if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to the book of 1 John as we're continuing in our series. Started last week, and man, excited to, to continue through this book together. Again, 1 John. We're gonna be in chapter one, starting in verse five. In just a minute, I'll let you continue to turn there. But as you turn, I wanna explain something. I need, I need your help this morning with something. Um, little crowd participation. Are you up for it? Yes, yeah, I see some still waking up. That's okay, all right? So I've got these, uh, these soda cans here, as you can tell. And being as we are in the great state of Texas, um, what we're gonna focus in on this morning is Dr. Pepper. Who likes Dr. Pepper in here? Anybody? Yeah, my wife is liable to run around the room with the Holy Spirit because she, <laughs> she loves some Dr. Pepper. Um, this is really simple. Uh, all I need you to do is when I put my hand over the Dr. Pepper I need you to let out a hearty yeah. So like, don't miss the uh on the end there, okay? Not just yeah, it's yeah, yeah, all right? Let me hear you one time. One, two, three. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was good, okay? So if it's like, if it's a quick Passover, you only, do, you only let out the yeah, yeah <laughs> when I'm over the Dr. Pepper, okay? So if it's a quick Passover, it's just a quick yeah, yeah. But if I hold it, almost like a conductor, okay? Like, this is very classy this morning, all right? Y'all with me? Oh, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. I like that. Yeah. All right. So it's really simple. All right. So my hands are the Dr. Pepper. Ready? So. (laughs) It's not like Usher in here. (laughs) All right. Let's go a little further. I did say the Dr. Pepper, right? Okay, make sure. <laughs> the Dr. Pepper, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's just try one more time. <laughs> I heard, I'm just confused because I told y'all to let out a yeah over the Dr. Pepper. And Dr. Pepper is right here. What? Because this is, this is Sprite. So y'all are weird. <laughs> no, uh, it's interesting. Just because you put a label on something doesn't make it the real deal, does it? Uh, we're in we're in First John, and as we mentioned last week, one of the things that First John does is helps us know what a true believer looks like. Not that we're just like we're on the hunt, but really it's for us. If you remember chapter five, we looked at last week that it's to bless us, not to stress us. So not to like, oh man, am I really a Christian? Do I really know Jesus? No, it's to bless and be able to see: Are there evidences in my life that I know Christ? Are there thing? Is there you could say some proof, so to speak? that I've been changed by the, the blood and mercy and grace of Jesus. And it's worth reminding, because first, or John kind of tells us this all through the book, that just because you put a label on something 
doesn't mean that's what it is. Just because you dress something up on the outside doesn't really change what's on the inside. And so why that's important is because as, as Joshua mentioned a second ago, your eternity is at stake, right? Like if you, if you don't know Jesus, then, then you're gonna spend eternity in hell. So it, it matters for that, but it also matters because even as a believer, again, as he says in chapter five, I believe verse 13, God wants us to have the peace, the assurance of knowing, yes, we have a relationship with Jesus. So, so what are those things that authentic Christians, real believers do? Again, not so we can judge everybody else, but so we can kind of examine our, ourselves. What are those things that real Christians do, that authentic Christians do? We're gonna, we're gonna be looking uh, in chapter one, verse five, and really kind of builds toward what we're gonna be seeing that, that real Christians do. But if you would jump in in verse five with me. He says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and there is absolutely no darkness in him. So he says God is light, meaning God is pure. God is holy. God is righteous. God is true. There's absolutely no evil in him. So it says absolutely no darkness in him. So there's nowhere in God's life, so to speak, that you could open up a hidden closet and go, God, I can't believe you have all that sin in there. You, you can't open up an old kitchen drawer in God's life and it'll be filled with crumbs and stuff that fell in from food. Like, no, there's, there's no hidden secrets. There's no darkness. There's no evil in God. He is completely light, 100%. Completely true, no falsehood. Verse six, he says, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and are not practicing the truth. Do, do you notice there, I, I circled, you don't have to, but I circled in verse six, I, I circled verse, excuse me, the word say and the word walk because he's showing this contrast. You can say one thing, but what is it that you're doing? So when he says walk, it's your lifestyle, right? So you can say, you can say you're Dr. Pepper, <laughs> but, but what's actually inside you, right? But what, what, how are you actually living? So you can say you have fellowship with God. So fellowship, remember last week, if, if you weren't here, it's okay. This idea of, of intimate relationship, community of communion that you've been bound together with Christ by grace through faith, made possible by his shed blood on the cross. So if you say you have a relationship with God, to use what we typically say today, that you are a Christian, if you say that, but you walk in the darkness, you're lying and not practicing the truth. So put whatever label on you want. If you're not actually walking with Jesus, it doesn't matter what you say. Verse seven. But if we walk in the light, so in the truth and righteousness and purity and holiness, as he himself is in the light, we do have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if you walk in the light as Christ is the light, then he says, yes, like that it's evidence that you do have fellowship. You do have an intimate relationship with God, that you have communion with him. Yes, you've been bound to him. You have fellowship with, yes, other believers, but more importantly, 
with Christ. And yes, the blood of Jesus, it says, has cleansed you from all sin. So I want you to, to see this. We're not gonna uh, stay too much on verses five through seven because in two weeks, John kind of repeats this theme of, of light and darkness and, and your lifestyle. And so we're gonna emphasize that more in two weeks and even camp out on those verses again. But before we move on, I don't want you to miss this. He's saying either, regardless of what you say, regardless of um, if you quote pray to prayer at a church camp or something, regardless of that, if you walk in the darkness, the, the lifestyle, the habit of your life is to walk in sin, he says, you don't know Jesus. But on the other hand, if you walk in the light, you walk in truth and righteousness, the, the habit, the lifestyle of your life is to walk in the light and righteousness. Then he says, yes, you do have fellowship with Jesus. Yes, you have a relationship with God. Do you see the either or nature of that? Do you see that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's either you walk in the darkness and you don't know Christ, you're not gonna spend eternity in heaven, or you walk in the light and you do know Christ. And we're gonna come back to that more in two weeks, but I think as we make the, the shift that John does in the text in verse eight and kind of makes a turn a little bit in focus, you could say, I think a way to help us, even in our minds and our hearts, kind of make that shift, that transition a helpful thing to do is just to face dead on the tension maybe you're feeling in your heart right now. Let me unpack that a little bit. So either walk in darkness or walk in the light. Either you don't know Christ or you do know Christ. I think if you're like me, as you read that, and you think about that, there's, there's maybe a little bit of uneasiness in knowing that I don't, perfectly walk in the light. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can, you, do you see that tension of like, okay, either you walk in the darkness, you walk in the light, but as I'm looking at my life, I'm like, well, I don't, like, I don't do that perfectly. I feel like maybe like if that's darkness, if that's light way over there, I feel like, like I, I, I hope I'm right in here. <laughs> like I think, did anybody, you kind of feel that? Of th this tension of, well, I'm not, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm more in the light, but maybe not sure. If you're feeling that tension, then verse eight is really helpful. Helpful, He says, if we say we have no sin, by the way, don't you love when you're having a conversation with somebody and they're like, hey, 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 look, dude, I'm not perfect. And you're like, wow, like, thank you for clarifying that for me, right? Like, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. So, just to help us see that clearly, hopefully. So if I say I'm all the way over here and I perfectly walk in the light, that I never sin, I have no sin, especially now that I'm in Christ, I have zero sin. He says, if that's me, I say I have no sin, I'm deceiving myself. It's self-sabotage. I'm tricking myself and the truth is not in us. It's not in me. So don't miss this. If I say, dude, I'm way, I'm so far in the light, it's blinding. You can't even look at me because it'll blind you because I'm so perfect. Right? If I say that's me, in reality, where do I stand actually? Thank you, Miss Donna. Yeah, way over here, right? Y'all with me? If I say I'm perfect and I have no sin, I, I'm actually in the darkness. I've actually deceived myself. 
But verse 10, I'm going to come back to verse 9 in a second. Verse 10 is similar. He says, if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So if you look at verses 8 and 10 together, so verse 8, if I, if I say I have no sin, I'm lying to myself. It's self-sabotage. I'm hurting myself. I think I'm impressing you, but in reality, I'm just hurting myself. I'm good. I have no sin. Verse 10, if we say we have no sin, he says, his word is not in us and we're making God out to be a liar. So when you say you're perfect, you have no sin, whether it be like saying, well, I don't need Jesus because I have no sin. Or if you're saying as a Christian, nope, I never sin, never, ever. He's saying you're calling God a liar, which that should wake you up. I don't want to call God a liar. Can you imagine standing before the throne of God one day and he's like, hey, remember that time you called me a liar? You're like, oh, shoot, right? How, how are you calling God a liar if you say you have no sin? Well, Romans 3, 23 says, for all, all have what? Sinned, yeah, and fallen short of the glory of God. If you skip over a little bit in Romans to chapter seven, Paul, an incredible follower of Jesus, is talking about his Christian life, and he says, or he's unpacking in, in chapter seven, his struggle, even as a Christian, as a, a missionary, if you will, someone who's living his life, finding his greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus day after day, helping plant churches all over uh, that part of the world. He says he has this battle between his flesh, his sin, and the spirit of God in him. Paul said that, that there's this struggle, this, this war. And then if you think about Philippians chapter one, I think it's verse six, he says that, he, Paul's writing to the church of Philippi and he says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at, so a point in time, the day of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, God will finish his work of sanctification in you. Like you'll be without sin when? when? When you're with Christ in eternity, in heaven. So to say I'm without sin at any point before that is to call God a liar. Y'all with me? you say you're sinless, you think you walk perfectly in the light, then you're actually in the darkness. You actually don't know Christ. But there's another option. Verse nine, if we confess our sins, so confess is to humbly admit, to, to acknowledge yeah, like I think of this, I'm not trying to like make light of it, but like think about when a player in sports makes a bad play and they're like, I saw me coach, like they raise their hand, like they're admitting, like, yeah, that, that was me. That, that's my fault. Confess our sins. He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you, you have two options. You can either deny that you are a sinner in need of the grace of Jesus on a daily basis, which means you're actually in the darkness, or you can confess and admit that yes, you're a broken sinner daily in need of God's grace. Not, not daily in need of his salvation, but just daily in need of his forgiveness and his mercy. If that's you, if you confess, yes, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the experience of the believer, how they come into a relationship with Christ. But then also it's the daily lifestyle of the believer to confess their sins. All right, so first point, if you're like, man, we haven't gotten to a point yet. Don't worry, we're gonna be okay. First point, authentic Christians confess their sins to God. 
What do real believers do? People who don't just say they're a Christian, don't just put a label on themselves, but actually people who know Christ, what do they do? They confess their sins to God. They readily admit their faults, their failures. Rather than try to hide them in the dark and try to fake out God and lie to themselves. No, they just bring it into the light. So recognize if you have this spiritual pride that like, man, I just don't ever sin. Like that's not the description of a believer. That's not the, that's not the experience of a believer. See, to know Jesus is to know your brokenness. To, to know him is to know your brokenness. To know his perfection is to know your imperfection. So really, the closer I am to Jesus, the more I should be aware of my faults and failures. Not because he's calling me out and telling me I'm a loser. No, but because I'm aware of how amazing he is and how, how weak and sinful I am comparatively. To know Jesus, to know your brokenness. If you ever had the opportunity to go to uh, the zoo where there's, uh, you could pick a couple different animals, but I'll pick a lion, to, where there's a lion there at the zoo. It's always interesting to me how, of course, there's always the glass or whatever in between you and, and the animals, hopefully, right? <laughs> but if the lion is far away off in the distance at the, where you're viewing them, you're impressed, but it's kind of, yeah, cool. I remember one time I had um, some paper and was kind of making some noise in my hand. I was a young college kid and uh, just was being silly, I guess. I was trying to get the lion's attention. But he eventually, while well, I, I, I felt kind of big and bad at, as he was a, at a distance, he eventually, no lie, turned, looked towards where we were and let out a pretty good roar. You better believe I put that paper down, right? Uh, also, so once I, I realized, like, eyes locked, yeah, okay, I'm not gonna mess with him anymore. But the closer the line gets to where you are, even though you know you're, you're, you're safe, the closer that line gets, the more you are aware of his strength, his majesty, his power, and how tiny you are, right? And the more you're grateful that there is a barrier. <laughs> yeah, that's the, the idea with, with Christ that, if you say, man, I, I, I'm good, I don't sin, I don't struggle, then you don't know Jesus. Because the closer you are to Jesus, the more aware you are of his majesty, his strength, his power, and how small and sinful and weak you are. To know Jesus is to know your brokenness. Authentic Christians confess their sins to God. Yes, I'm, I'm a broken mess in need of your grace. So, so my, my question is like point blank this morning is, do you know Jesus? If you have, have never come to a point where you've confessed your sins and, and recognized your need for Jesus, th then you don't have a relationship with him. I would also say if maybe you, like you said a prayer, but the, your whole life you've just spent feeling like, man, I'm pretty good. God, God must love me because I got this Christian thing down. If that's your heart, if that's what's going on in your mind as you walk this, this life, I don't think you know Jesus because the habit of the believer, the lifestyle of the believer is to, yes, to try to walk in the light, to walk in the light, but to confess their sins, knowing they're a broken mess. And, and, and maybe you say, but Brandon, I really, I really don't think I'm, I'm that bad. Well, then why did Jesus have to come die? 
Like, what was the purpose of him dying on the cross for you if you were actually pretty good and could save yourself? No, every one of us is in need of the grace and mercy, forgiveness of Jesus shown on the cross of Christ. Amen? Authentic Christians confess their sins. They know they're broken. So is that you? Do you walk in a spirit of humble admission of your faults before King Jesus? Cool thing, if that is you, look at the experience of the believer as we think about what Christians do. I wanna hone in, kind of zero in the microscope a little on verse nine. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the second point we've got to see as we're kind of walking through uh, very specifically verse nine is this. Authentic Christians get to experience the nowness, if that's a word, I don't think it is, the nowness of the gospel. Authentic Christians get to experience the nowness, the right here, right now, ever present for every situation, grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what authentic Christians get to experience. He says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. So faithful that Jesus does what he said he would do. He said he would forgive you of your sins. And when you, you confess, you get to kind of experience that in a fresh relational way of that forgiveness of sins. It's not saying if you don't confess for every little sin that you're not saved. It's saying, no, that in a very relational way that keeps fellowship going and growing as you confess your sins, man, you experience the faithfulness of Jesus to forgive your sins. Don't you love that word that God is faithful? So God, when you come to him to confess your sins, no matter how wretched, no matter how terrible, no matter how ugly it may be, no matter how repetitive it may be, God doesn't look at your sin and go, ew, gross. You know what? I'm drawing the line there, Hayes. Nope. Too gross for me. Not doing it. No, he's faithful. He doesn't, ugh, jump back at your sin. No, he walks forward because he's a gracious and merciful God. Amen? He's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins. How could God be righteous, meaning still be right, still be good, still be just to forgive guilty sinners? Like how, how is God still a righteous judge if he's letting us be free of our sins if he's forgiving us, wiping the slate clean all the time. It's real simple because Jesus paid the price for our sins. That's how God can still be righteous, even though he's merciful and gracious towards sinners because Jesus paid the price. The cross is where God's grace and mercy and his justice meet. <laughs> how, how cool is that? God's forgiveness of my sins is not based on how, how eloquently I confess my sins or how hard I confess, I'm really gonna repent this time. No, it's based on, it's founded on the faithfulness and righteousness of God made available to me through Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. <laughs> that should be a theme in the believer's life. That, whoo, I would be up a creek without Jesus. He is faithful and righteous. So we confess, 
He's faithful and righteous to forgive us again, to wipe away, to cancel the debt of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The word cleanse, the idea of of wiping away the stain of sin. So you don't have to walk around feeling dirty, like you got got mud all over you and you got this, this stain of guilt and shame and sin on you. No, Jesus cleanses it. He washes it away from all our sin, all unrighteousness. So again, there's not one single thing, zero, (laughs) that you could put before Jesus and him push and go, no, I'm not gonna forgive that. There's not one single thing that he would say, yeah, I'll forgive that, but I I want you to walk around in the burden and the shame a little bit and the guilt, I want you to do that. No, there's not one thing. He says, give it to me. There's forgiveness, there's cleansing. You don't have to walk in that. What a beautiful invitation that Jesus longs for us not to carry this big old burden of sin and shame and guilt, but longs to take that load off of our back. What a beautiful invitation. You know, I think often in some of our small groups say you're gonna talk about this, that confession is, is kind of an eh word. Like you think in the Christian life, even I think when you say like, hey, I want you to spend some time. Like if we were to do a prayer time, like right now, if we, I'm not going to right now, but if we stopped right now and I said, hey, I want you to spend a few moments in confession. It kind of feels like, okay, <laughs> right? We're quick to, to give requests and to, maybe after that, maybe we can give God some thanks, but confession, and we have to think about how bad we are, uh, <laughs> That's not, the, that's not the heartbeat of scripture. Confession is a beautiful thing. That God is inviting you to, to rid yourself of the shackles of sin, the shame of sin, to experience forgiveness, to not feel like you have this barrier between you and the Lord and to cleanse you from that. It's a beautiful invitation. Makes you think about if you've ever been to the beach and wall it around in the sand and you get sand in places sand should not be. We'll just stop there, but you know what I mean, right? And eventually you go and jump out in the ocean and all that sand is washes off. Whoo, man, you just, you feel better, don't you? Relief. Or think about, <clears throat> if you ever, we've got some families, uh, actually this weekend, even from our church that are out skiing in Colorado and think about going skiing. If you're, and if it's been a while for you, you're a new skier and, or snowboarder or whatever, and you get up there and you're gonna give it your best, but you fall over and over and over again on the slopes to the point that like you're bleeding a little bit, right? You put your, put your chin in the snow too much or hopefully not into a tree. And you're, you're working so hard up there, skiing, snowboarding, that you're beginning to sweat. And so now you were all dry and warm, but now your sweat is making you cold. You guys have experienced, am I the only weirdo? Okay, maybe not. Or maybe you've fallen down so much in the snow that you like your clothes are beginning to wet. And then to, to be able to, to go inside the lodge or the cabin or hotel, wherever you're at, and to get rid of those wet, sweaty, nasty clothes and put on some dry clothes and sit in front of the fireplace and drink a cup of hot chocolate or hot cup of coffee. It's refreshing. Take the load off and enjoy being renewed. That's what, that's what confession does for the soul. God says, yeah, I know you've fallen down and made a mess of yourself. But because of the blood of my son, Jesus, you can rid yourself of that mess 
and come enjoy fellowship with me. Come and sit and be refreshed and be renewed. It's an invitation to enjoy the presence of the Lord. So, so I want to ask you, like, because forgiveness flows, like, what are you waiting for? What even this morning is Jesus inviting you, not condemning you, but inviting you to confess? The list could, we could, <laughs> maybe, it's, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's, it's lust. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's control, trying to do things your way, not trusting God, not depending on him. We, we could make a huge list. What is it that God is inviting you to confess this morning? Forgiveness flows. So, so what are you waiting for? Yeah, I, I think when we think about confession, it can be kind of a vague idea to, to us that like we often think of it as just kind of like chunking up, but Lord, forgive me, you know I need to do better. And, and I think because we struggle with it, I wanna give us real quick five things that I think are helpful for confession. I promise I'll be quick here. Um, we're gonna put these on the screen. The first one is remember to confess and embrace grace. So talking about confession, what are some helpful tips, some things really quick. Remember to confess and embrace grace. So I, I, if I could, I would take a big highlighter out and highlight that word and there. What I, mean, what I mean by that is you're missing out in the Christian life if you never have times of confession in your life. Like if you're sitting here and you're thinking, man, I can't remember the last time I confessed some sin to the Lord. Dude, you are missing out. You're totally missing out. So don't miss out on confession, but also and embrace grace. So some of you, you, you kind of live in this cycle of of. Lord, forgive me, Lord, forgive me. And, and you feel like you can't confess enough. And I would remind you that there is forgiveness and cleansing for your sin, so embrace grace. Like God is not pleased with you wallowing around in your guilt and your shame and how terrible you are. No, he invites you to embrace grace. Some of you need, need to hear that this morning, that yes, you've been confessing, but maybe this morning the invitation is to actually believe what God says, that there is forgiveness, there is cleansing for your sin. Embrace grace. All right, I'm gonna start another sermon if I don't stop. Number two, walk by faith, not by feeling. So as you're confessing, walk by faith, not by feeling. In C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters, uh, it's kind of a satire on, on hell. It's very interesting. It's the idea of giving, it's not necessarily real, but he's basing it on some biblical principles and looking at kind of what, do, what does Satan, what does the enemy do to try to attack believers? How does he try to hurt us? And C.S. Lewis points out that he believes that often uh, the enemy gets a foothold in our life, keeps us down. If we're, when we're praying, if we're really just searching for a feeling, then just pray. So what I mean by that is when you go to confess sin, you're not always automatically just gonna feel, oh, I feel renewed and refreshed. Like it, it's not always gonna happen just like that. Y'all tracking with me? But you're not confessing so you can have a feeling. You're confessing because God invites you to. And as you walk by faith, I really do believe eventually those, quote, feelings will come. Y'all tracking? Make sense? So we don't need to sit like, I'm gonna sit here until I feel better about this. Man, you can be sitting there for weeks and you got a job, you got school, so don't do that, right? Confess and walk by faith, regardless of how you feel. Jesus, I'm taking you at your word that there is forgiveness and cleansing. So no matter how I feel, I'm gonna walk in faith. And I believe that soon those feelings will follow when you walk in faith. Number three, 
use the Bible. <laughs> what do I mean by that? The Bible is a great example, a great tool, if you will, at, at learning what it looks like to confess. So two off the top of my head, um, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. Psalm 32 and Psalm 51 are great prayers of confession, of repentance. So if you're like, I don't know what confession looks like, check those out. I, I really do believe also as you're reading scripture, and if you have a lens of confession, God, show me where, where I need to walk more like you in the light. I believe he'll show you as you're reading scripture. So use the Bible. A fourth point is uh, check out the book called Prone to Wander. Prone to Wander, I've actually got it. I'll have it with me in the back. We've actually got a slide up here that shows you kind of what it looks like. You can get this on Amazon um, called Prone to Wander, Prayers of Confession and Celebration. This book has been super helpful for me in learning to confess because it lays out first scripture for, for pointing out where we sin and fall short of God's glory. It's a prayer of confession, but it's also, they give you a prayer of celebration for the fact that Jesus has offered forgiveness for whatever it is you just confessed. Really helpful book. Um, would encourage you to check it out, really helpful. Number five, last one. Don't wait. How many of us have had the Holy Spirit convict us of sin? point something out in our lives and like a child hiding from their parents saying no I don't know what you're talking about I don't know what you're nope it wasn't me we hide when really the father is longing saying saying come on I invite you it's, it's, a, it's an invitation to experience forgiveness and cleansing and really restored fellowship with me how silly it is to wait when God already knows what we've done right like never when you go to confess sin is God gonna be like, oh, no way. Like, you, you did that, are you for real? What? Like never, he's not gonna do that. He already knows your sin. That's why he died for it. So why would we wait and hold back and try to carry that burden on our own? Don't wait. This morning, I want us to, we always offer this, but I wanna really lean in this morning. We're gonna have a time of response. And I really wanna challenge you, invite you, the Lord leads you, to, to, to come down front and just have a time of confession with the Lord. We're not talking about telling everybody around you and talking to me. No, like, no talking to the Lord, confessing sin to the Lord and, and receiving the grace and mercy that flows from the throne of God. I'm gonna trust the Holy Spirit is putting things on your heart that you may need to confess. I'm not saying you have to come down front, but I do think that often when you move, there's kind of something that happens in your heart and mind of, hey, I'm, I'm making a decision here. I'm taking this serious. So I wanna invite you in a minute. We're gonna have just some time of, of, of David playing and I would love for you to come and just spend time in confession. If you say you have nothing to confess of, nothing to confess for, then you should check yourself because <laughs> you may not even know God if that's your attitude. I don't have any sin. On that note, if you don't know Christ, you realize you've been living in the darkness, you, you've never confessed your need for Jesus, we would love to talk to you about that. There'll be some folks down front to, to pray with really anybody and everybody, but I would encourage you to grab them by the hand and say, hey, would you pray for me? I wanna know what it means to know Jesus. Really, it's as simple as trusting in his finished work on the cross, that he died for your sins, three days later rose again to offer you forgiveness, and life, and hope, relationship with him, eternity with him. I'm gonna pray for us. And then as our worship team comes up, we're just gonna have a few moments of quiet for you to respond. Maybe come down front and spend in confession. And then we're gonna sing the song 
that kind of drives home this idea we've been talking about this morning. Let me pray for us and then we will uh, just spend time with the Lord. God, we're grateful for the fact that you invite us to confess our sins, that we don't have to act like we have it all together. We don't have to act like we never sin. Lord, you know we are but dust. You know we struggle and you invite us to hand those sins to you, God, so we can be made new, be be forgiven of, of those, walk in fellowship with you, but Lord, also to grow, to begin to overcome those sins as your spirit works in us. God, we're grateful that once we turn to you for salvation, that it's secured, we're, we're saved, it's a done deal. But God, would you teach us to live a lifestyle of confession, of readily and consistently acknowledging our need for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, that our eyes would not be fixed on our shortcomings, but that our eyes would be fixed on your perfection and in your mercy offered to us. Guys, we have a few moments to respond. Would you give us boldness to, to confess? Or would you open those maybe old dirty closets and creaky drawers, kitchen drawers in our hearts and reveal maybe some of those things we've been hiding or have been afraid for you to see? Would, would we be willing to roll those over to you, God? speak to us now and help us to respond. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 